Welcome back in. Fantastics Inside Football Podcast. It's the season two kickoff episode 28. I'm Dan Claskins back here with James Adams getting you ready for another season, another run towards some championships. And we're getting you ready earlier than ever by kicking off the podcast here. Insiderfootball.com is the website. And of course, you can keep up with the podcast wherever you listen, including Spotify and Stitcher, to name a few. And uh, of course, follow him at James Adams 94 me at Dan Claskins on Twitter. And James, here we are, man, a second season, a, a crazy season already, offseason we'll talk about here and in the coming weeks. But man, I haven't really seen you in person. We live in the same neighborhood, but I don't think I've really seen you since we were at the Super Bowl. Or if I do, I don't remember. But uh, I, th- I think I saw you driving by when I was cutting a yard in the neighborhood. But honestly, I think the last time we had a uh, interaction in between each other face-to-face pro- probably was uh, right before we said goodbye to each other and walked into SoFi Stadium for an awesome football game, but and unfortunately um, not the way we wanted it to end. No, no. We had a great time at the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll try to let some of our Bengal bias rub off here, at least uh, early in the year. Uh, We'll we'll see how that goes. But, James, uh, it's just from that perspective, man, we go to the Super Bowl, our team loses. I know, like me, you sort of tuned things out purposefully for like a week or so there uh, on the football flow. But it's a little different of an offseason because usually we're conditioned as a a Bengal fan and start thinking about the NFL draft and these things like basically in November. And here we were, not uh, dialed into it from that perspective until like Valentine's Day. So that was something a little bit different there. But lucky for us, lucky for us, we've had some time to catch up. And we've got our good friend, John Lobb, from the NFL Draft Bible and Football Diehards. He is going to join us today, our friend in fantasy uh, for this episode. And we're excited because we're, we're going to be bringing the episodes now and pretty regularly all the way until we come back on the air in July here on Sirius XM, the 11th season of Fantastics Insider Football on the channel there. And certainly we'll get getting you ready with that Fantastics Draft Advisor software. And James, I mean, it's crazy because I haven't even talked to you too much yet about all this craziness that's happened since we partied there in L.A. This has been one of the wild and wackiest off seasons I can remember. It's got to be the craziest. Um, it's just the the way player movement had happened. It's it's almost like college uh, sports a couple of years ago, maybe two years ago, really opened that transfer portal, and now the NFL players are like, you know what, we're we're opening the transfer portal. I don't care if it's open. We're going to go ahead and open it ourselves. And the player movement and uh, what I expect to be more player movement, at least one more player uh, before the draft or during the draft, it has been crazy. I mean. I don't know, man. Your your dynasty rankings are are changing for players who didn't move because so many other players have moved. And, and quite frankly, uh, it, it's been interesting. Like I don't know what to make of it. All these guys forcing trades, but it's interesting, and it's certainly been um, it's certainly been able to like keep me uh, not not that I wouldn't be tuned in anyway, but it's certainly been able to keep me tuned in. I go out to work, and I like can't wait to get back in the truck, look at my phone, and see which uh, new receiver has asked for a trade to a new location. Yeah, it's definitely been very fun to keep up with all the moves and evolving the rankings. Now we're getting into draft season. I'm going to be kicking off. May is right here. Uh, Actually, starting on Friday will be May the 1st, and May is Military Appreciation Month. So I know I've already roped you in. I'll be roping some others into joining us with some do-good fantasy best balls, and we'll uh, be doing it all the way uh, drafting all summer long. So it's going to be lots of fun, as we said, but today – 
on this first episode of our second season of this podcast. We're talking NFL draft, and when we do that, one of our favorite people to talk about, he joins us throughout the year on SiriusXM with his college football expertise, and we're very privileged to have him here during this busy time for him now, our guy, the Gridiron Scholar, GridSkull91 on Twitter, and with us now, John Lobb here on the podcast. And John, uh, man, it's been a while since we caught up. Uh, I mean, when you last joined us on the air, we were previewing the BCS title game and all that such, but uh, a pretty pretty interesting end to the college football season. But man, this draft season's been hopping for you, hasn't it, buddy? Yeah, nine months of study and research and watching film comes down to we got three days until the draft, my friends. And I remember when you and I and James were talking about Joe Burrow being the first pick overall (laughs) with the Bengals. And look at, you know, in two years, he's taking them to the Super Bowl and then, you know, adding Jamar Chase last year. And, of course, they've done great on defense, the acquisitions and the free agency. But you know what? Maybe some other team can turn it around who needs some help because there are always players in every NFL draft. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And that's it's interesting you say that because you talk about how we were just talking about Burrow. And Dan alluded to how it's been a very different offseason for us as Bengals fans. I mentioned to somebody else not too long ago, I said, I can't remember the last time I've been this excited to be not that excited about the NFL draft. Surely for fantasy purposes and my own dynasty purposes, drafts, our our teams, I'm excited. But as a Bengals fan, I am very excited that it's not that big of a deal. But you're right. Every year, every year, some team comes out of nowhere. It was the Bengals last year. and, And does what we saw at go out, you know, have these rookie players like Chase and a second year player. And that's what we're hoping to find from you today, John, is who those players are going to be and what that team might even be. Uh, I think there are definitely some teams in a good position, James, to hit some home runs, but we must be careful because it's not a top heavy draft, but I do believe there's talent if you go find it. Yeah. And this class, John, as I always ask you, as we start into our previews here that we get to do and, and it's funny because i i, I do I, I think i've had you on one of my podcasts one or the other here uh to talk the nfl draft for three or four years and every year i've taken notes and last year you were talking about elijah mitchell on that podcast <laughs> uh quite a bit and uh, i appreciate that because i had some very cheap and uh, chairs <laughs> passed on some places with your insight i know a lot of people backed off of that but uh let's talk about this this is a question i always like to kick you off with is just in general, this not even from a fantasy perspective, looking across positions, how do you rate this NFL draft class to all the others you've been crunching over the years? I think this is a big man draft. And what I mean by that is there are offensive linemen and defensive linemen galore who I believe are going to be instant impact players and who should have anywhere from six to 10 year careers if you need help in the front four or on the offensive line this is the draft to go and get them there are wide receivers and they're deep and I think there's going to be plenty of value in the third round at that position but if I'm a franchise and I'm at the bottom of the standings here and I'm drafting in the first 10 I need to get those playmakers on both sides of the ball John, you talk about it not being a top-heavy draft, and hearing some of the local draft chatter that revolves more around the Bengals, 
the uh, the concept has been that it wasn't top heavy, but it is full of talent in the middle rounds. And you just alluded to some third round receivers that could have talent. Is there a case to be made for anybody who's like in a dynasty league right now? We're getting ready for the NFL draft to trade down for more bulk and lower draft picks, maybe get rid of a first and go after a few seconds. Or is that just maybe over evaluating the, the lack of high end town at the top? No, James, I completely agree with you. And if I was a team like the Carolina Panthers sitting at number six and they don't have another pick until I believe the fourth round. And when you have a team like Carolina that has so many needs on both sides of the football, I would trade down desperately in this draft because I need picks. And I don't think there's a quarterback worth the sixth overall value, the Giants with two picks in the top 10. If I were them, I would also look to drop down, maybe swap one of those. So I couldn't agree with you more, James. I would love to have three, four picks in each of the third and fourth rounds if I was a team this year. Yeah, you look at the Chiefs, the Jaguars, 12 picks of uh, each is yes. just amazing to think about the depth. Of course, those two teams, one of them played in the AFC Championship <laughs> game last year. The other, they tend to like to pick at the tier at the top of the draft every season. So uh, it is going to be interesting indeed. All right, so let's get into this discussion a little bit. And James, you know, I'm going to start this with you, start this with you a little bit. And asking, you know, one of the things I like to do, and maybe it's because I'm already doing my fantasy rankings right now. I've started a couple best balls before the draft. I always like to try to do those things. But veterans that we're coming into this, if you got some dynasty shares or, or whatever, you've already put them on some best ball stuff. What are some veteran players that are sort of sweating out the draft? And we'll we'll start at running back. And for me, the top guy at the list has got to be Devin Singletary, who down the stretch of the season last year, this guy was a difference maker, not just for the Bills, but for fantasy owners too. And he's he's on that fringe, like high end RB three, RB two value right now because we know Zach Moss has been sort of a dud. But if Buffalo drafts somebody, he could definitely take a big dip pretty quick. What other running backs you think would top the list for you? I mean, there's certainly there. I think Singletary is a good a good name to mention. Um, when I think of different running backs that could lose carries, I also think about the fact that this is a this is a new NFL where, yeah, Singletary was kind of the bell cow at the end of the year, but he was splitting carries. So many guys were splitting carries. So, I mean, I know one guy that in particular would make sense to me and a guy that I have in some dynasty leagues because I was just a little bit fortunate to make the play on him last year, Cordero Patterson, what ends up being his role in the new offense was because he wasn't really supposed to be that starting running back. It was Davis, right? Who had come from Carolina and, and didn't really pan out. I don't know if Patterson, if they're looking in that direction for another running back, but he's a guy that would stand out to me. Um, but again, I mean, you can look across the landscape of, at running back and s there's very few guys that own their backfield. So I think uh, you, I also don't want to be too scared by anybody who maybe gets some competition on draft day. John, any names you want to add to the list at the position? There's two that I'm very worried about, and I concur with your assessment of Singletary. But I'm worried about Antonio Gibson in Washington. There are a, there's a lot of chatter 
that the commanders are interested in a running back in like round three or four. And then the New York Jets. I know fantasy Twitter is very bullish on Michael Carter. I have my question about him being a three-down full-time back. I think the Jets in the second or third round are right to pluck a, a running back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and the other name I had on my list at the position was James Conner. And the first thing, obviously coming off all those touchdowns last season, I'm already a little skeptical of some regression on the scoring side of things. But he gets the boost. Chase Edmonds leaves town and uh, goes to Miami where you know there's going to be lots of competition there. But something tells me that the Cardinals could be in the mix for running back. And I also think they could make a decision early on with it being so loaded at receiver with that number 23 overall pick to maybe look at an offensive player there. So DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is a guy that already has some fading value. But if they go pretty high end uh, on receiver, I think, and either that pick or maybe somebody falls to the 55 spot, a receiver that, that could be hurting in value. And and then I think Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Gantling, former teammates themselves, Lazard and Obviously, Green Bay right now atop the depth chart after the trade of Adams and Valdez Scantling. He goes to Kansas City, where I mean they're looking for answers after the Tyree Kill trade. You know the Chiefs with twelve picks are going to end up with some wideouts. <laughs> John, uh, what other wideouts or you know veterans in general do you think any do any come to mind? Are, are there quarterbacks that might be sweating out their fantasy values? I am a little bit worried about the lines with Amon Ross St. Brown. While I absolutely loved Amon Ross St. Brown, I think he had that tremendous six games to close out last year. Are the Lions really, with all those picks, I think they have three picks in the first 34 of the draft. And this is a deep wide receiver group. So I feel like the Lions are going to get a wide receiver. And that, I mean... He was so volume-centered last year. You know, the numbers that he put up are just were just outstanding. And then a quarterback, Seattle. We have Drew Locke at the top of the board right now. I just can't imagine Seattle going into the season and believing that Locke is a starter for 17 games. So I, you were talking about best ball. I don't even know if I want Locke as my third quarterback right now because I think the Seahawks are going to grab a quarterback at least in the second round. I'm not convinced in the first round, but I think Seattle will get one in the second round. Fair enough there, and uh, it's certainly a situation to monitor. None of us really believe in Locke for the long <laughs> term. James, uh, what about you? Any other guys to add to that list? Or maybe some NFL players like a Jimmy Garoppolo or, or somebody of that type that we could see get dealt. Maybe their fantasy value is actually going to get an uptick because they could be players on the move. Well, and Baker, too, who could potentially oh. be on the move, right? Um, I thought about – I'm on – I'm on Ross St. Brown was the number one guy I thought about as receiver because he had just emerged. Was that really a, a, an emergence of a true talent or was it a little bit of a flash in the pan? Do they bring in another receiver? You also have Swift and Hawkinson that can take some of that volume as defenses change it around. Um, plus, what if they decide golf isn't their quarterback? So uh, St. Brown is a guy who I think he's going to have a um, potentially big change in his value. But I also was pretty high on him at the end of last year. I had him right at the back end of my wide receiver twos. 
if you remember, we did the mock draft. I took him and uh, Darnell Mooney as early re- uh, receivers, not necessarily early, early, but they were like my second and third guys. Mooney, I wonder about too, because I do think Komet comes into his own a little bit more this season as tight ends do. But I wonder if they want to add another weapon to field. So if you've got this quarterback you want to build around, is now the time to build around him? Just like you saw Burrow get another uh, weapon with the Bengals. I mean, not to make the comparisons always about them, but you have fields there who would need another weapon. So Mooney I'm worried about too because I have him on the rise. Uh, And then quarterback, maybe it is Sam Darnold. I don't know what value he still retains, but as a starter in a super flex league, he's certainly somebody you have to have your eye on. Is Mayfield going there? Do they take a quarterback and decide that Darnold isn't the future after one year? Plenty to chew on indeed. And I think quarterback's already been a position that's just been fascinating during this (laughs) offseason. The Deshaun Watson trade. Let's start there uh, a little bit on the impact it has to this draft and future drafts here. And uh, just in the sense of, John, we saw the huge price that Cleveland paid. Obviously, the guaranteed money, the way they finagled the contract. I mean, that's a whole nother topic. But just in terms of that draft capital that they gave up for Deshaun Watson and that multi-year impact that could have. I mean, let's speak to the value of those picks and how they can ever get an ROI on that. I think there's only one way to get an ROI, and that's Super Bowl or bust. They have a very strong roster, and I believe that Cleveland was looking at that division. You have Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. We've talked about Joe Burrow just brought the Bengals to the Super Bowl, and who knows what Pittsburgh's going to do. It looks like they're going to bring in a young quarterback, and they brought in veteran Trubisky. The Browns made an assessment that if they want to compete, and I'm a big believer you should win your division first. That's the that's usually the easiest path to get to the Super Bowl. If Cleveland wants to win that division, they've got to have a quarterback. Well, they just sold everything for a two- or three-year window, and I don't like to look much further down the road. The NFL changes so quickly. But Cleveland, to me, is saying we want the Super Bowl in 2022 or 2023. And we still don't know how many games Deshaun Watson's going to play, right? He still might have a suspension. But I I like the chutzpah of Cleveland trading all that capital to acquire a, an elite top five quarterback in a division that is incredibly competitive. But to me, it's a Super Bowl or bust trade, just like Matthew Stafford last year in um, Los Angeles. Yeah. And the irony of the dog barking as we're talking about the <laughs> Like, who let the dogs out, man? John needs to let his dog out, apparently. I don't know, but that's just hilarious. Oh, man. James, uh, any final thoughts before we start getting into John on you know going through some of these positions, just on these other headlines, things that you're really looking forward to, to monitoring these next few days? Well, I, I think to the point John was talking about, the easiest path to the Super Bowl is your division. But I do think it's interesting that we have seen the AFC get completely loaded with talent and all four teams in a couple of divisions seemingly going for it. In the AFC North, I don't know if Pittsburgh truly is, but they went and got Trubisky. In, in the AFC West, it certainly looks like all four teams are going for it. But I don't think Kansas City's rebuilding with the trade there, right? The, the Raiders went out and got a player. And I think that this additional wild card that we saw added to the uh, the playoff schedule and just the very recent times has let everybody know hey you know there's more 
chances to get in the playoffs. And if you are battle tested, that extra playoff seed could be the uh, the difference between you getting in or out. And we've seen low seeded teams make runs and win the title. And I, I just wonder how much that has to do with. And sure, everyone is obviously just saying, "Hey, we want to win right now." Most teams in the NFL are saying that. Most teams are saying that. But I think that additional wild card is just something I've noticed. Maybe is more of a hindsight than what I'm looking forward to in the next couple of days. But I, I think it's. I think that's added a lot of this intrigue to this offseason and a lot of more interesting storylines and more teams going for it. Yeah, and I think what we talked about at the very beginning, James, our beloved Bengals. I think uh, their run this year is inspiring. That right, a team that they got everyone else saying two, why not us two years ago was where they were and. You look back at the Joe Burrow draft, clearly that was a franchise-changing moment, but that year in round two, they get a guy named T. Higgins. In round three, Logan Wilson. And you know those hits on those second day, third day, those are what helped make those champions too. And uh, we're certainly going to see a lot of emphasis put on those as we move to this draft. And let's jump into the draft and get into the prospects. And John, you've been breaking this stuff down for hundreds of hours. And uh, before we even get into your breakdown, because – all we're looking to do is tease people here with some high-level stuff. I want you to tell us where they get down in the nitty-gritty and really take a dive in at. Let's talk about all the different content you've got out there to preview all these different draft prospects. Oh, thanks. If you go to um, footballdiehards.com, that is where all of my written profiles are. And I can't believe it. It's my ninth year in a row wow. already that I've been publishing these on footballdiehards.com. And then if you go to YouTube, you go to Rookie Big Board channel, and my teammate Matt Hicks and I, we have player profiles of 40 rookies right now, and each one's between 9 and 11 minutes, and we break down the um, rookies for you there. So YouTube, Rookie Big Board, or Football Diehards. Yes, and we'll definitely talk more about all these things as we go along. But here we're just going to quickly go position by position. We'll start at the quarterback position. And a lot of buzz, obviously, at the top here for uh, Malik Willis. And the Auburn transfer uh, really has uh, a very good profile here. But uh, there are some questions there. And a lot of people at the the quarterback class as a whole, uh, really a lot of questions to even, right at the top of the board even. Uh, there's no Joe Burrow in this class. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Willis, how you've got your board set up, and, and who from this year's class could be looked at as a legitimate NFL starter over these next few seasons. I have Malik Willis at number two. And what I hear is I hear a lot of chatter about his ceiling. And I understand that. I do see his ceiling. And it is pretty tempting and tantalizing. However, I have a lot of questions and his floor is very low. He's only played 23 games and they were at Liberty. He wasn't at a Power 5 school he was at a independent, but I would call it a group of five program. The rushing ability and athletic ability and arm strength are off the charts. But I don't think enough people are discussing his floor. And I do believe he needs a year on the sideline like Trey Lance. So that's why I'm a little bit concerned. And I don't think he's worth the sixth pick overall, which is what the Panthers are looking at. That's why I would trade down. My number one, and I'm clearly in the minority here, but I have Sam Howell. 
In my statistical model, Sam Howell hits five of my benchmarks that I am looking for. 6-1-2-18. He has the arm strength. He has over 1,000 career rushing yards. I know he's not a perfect prospect, and that's why he's not like Joe Burrow at the very top. But I would feel very comfortable if he lands with Pittsburgh or a good team in the second round. And then my other big five, Matt Corral of Mississippi, number three. Kenny Pickett, number four. I have a lot of question marks on him. And number five, who's getting a lot of NFL press lately, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati near you. Interesting with him. It is, I've heard some people saying that Ritter could be in a first round. And again, he is a Cincinnati guy, so the media here <laughs> is obviously in love with him and what he did towards the end. Is he or or even Kenny Pickett players who have, I guess, are the most ready to go right now? I, I know you you disagree because you said you've got how one, but besides those, with Pickett and Ritter, are those guys that you think that could be starters in week one of the NFL? Are they guys like that quality, or is there simply not that player here? No, James, I agree with you. If you're like the Pittsburgh Steelers and you're looking for a quarterback, and they got Trubisky, but let's say he gets hurt. Or let's say something happens, right? I do believe that Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter, with a quality organization, could step onto the field day one. What you're looking at is they played 48 games for Pickett at the college level, 50 games for Ritter at the college level. While neither profile is perfect, and I have some questions about both as throwers at the NFL level, I do believe that they can... Football IQ-wise, run your offense and keep your offense moving from day one of training camp. Yeah, and that's key. I will say this. If Desmond Ritter goes to the Steelers like Big Ben did, Awful. Because, you know, my uncle used to be the head football coach in Miami of Ohio for years when I was growing up as a kid. So when Roethlisberger was there at Miami of Ohio, yeah, before you know, and during his college heyday, like I was a big fan of the guy. Like, oh my gosh, that guy's rooting him on. And then he got drafted by the Steelers, who, as yeah. a fan, obviously we don't root for. So the my it's like if Desmond Ritter goes there too, uh, I'm rooting for him just for his local ties here. But it is going to be fun to watch all those guys and teams always overpay on quarterback. They, there's desperation, mm-hmm. and yes. uh, that often drives poor decisions. That's the reality of it. Let's go to running back and. The consensus number ones uh, don't really exist here, but uh, Brees Hall, a guy, John, I can tell you from all my best balls and a few of the dynasty things I've already uh, engaged in here, is the first to fly off all the boards. Should he be? Oh, absolutely in my book, my friend. I have Brees Hall in the nine years that I've been scouting and analyzing the running backs on Football Die Hard. So I just, I like to only talk in about players that I've graded and I have, you know, um, evidence. Brees Hall is the fourth best running back prospect that I've seen. Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor. Brees Hall is number four in my model and my film grade. I really like him. If he ended up with the Buffalo Bills or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I mean, he could be good no matter where he lands. But if he ended up in a great position like Jonathan Taylor did in Indianapolis, we are all in from fantasy football. 
let's talk about some of these other guys. And uh, that's big time praise, too, to say that about Hall. Top four. But what about these other guys? Because when I'm looking at some mock drafts that just involve rookies in these dynasty leagues, there's not a ton of running backs going in the first round, which is a little strange to me, particularly when you look at some super flex rankings. Kenneth Walker, Isaiah Spiller, are they both considered first round rookie picks? Is that where it ends? What what do you make of this like next tier after Brees? Great question, James. I believe that Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker are lock, stock, loaded, first-round dynasty picks. No question in my mind. Isaiah Spiller is going to be dependent on landing spot. If he was the one who slipped to the Buffalo Bills in round two or three, oh, then Isaiah Spiller goes number one. If he lands with the New York Jets where he might have a timeshare, I might drop him to the second round in a dynasty. But James, the value at the running back position in Dynasty is in rounds three and possibly four. From Brian Robinson out of Alabama, Rashad White out of Arizona State, James Cook, Pierre Strong, all of those running backs from a Dynasty perspective, they're all in my top nine. And if I can get any of those young men in the third round of a Dynasty, I absolutely love the value. Yeah, and I think James hit it on the head earlier with the running back spot. The position's just evolved so much, and we're seeing more and more teams have guys get touches, and it's really presenting a lot of value, even for in the you know rounds three of your rookie drafts, four, whatever, to where you could get some contributors. I mean, just look at the guy we talked about before, Elijah Mitchell. I think he was going round three or later in almost every rookie draft uh, last year, shortly after the draft there. But any deep, deep, deep sleepers at running back that uh, you don't hear so much about on Twitter, but guys you've had on your board for a while. Excellent. I'm going to give you two that I have ranked at 14 and 15, and I'm going to be very interested in these two young men. Keontae Ingram coming out of USC. When I put him in the model, it really lo- he really began to pop. One, he had 89 career receptions. I don't think most people realize how productive He is in the passing game. Average five and a half yards per carry. That might not sound impressive, but if you have watched Texas and the USC offensive line over the last four years, you would know that number is more impressive than it appears. He is six feet, 221 pounds. I really like Keontae Ingram. And the other one is Kennedy Brooks out of Oklahoma. 5'11", 209. Now, he's taking a back seat because Oklahoma's had so many of those running quarterbacks and that Lincoln-Riley system. But Kennedy Brooks has averaged seven yards a carry across three seasons in college football. Those two young men men I am very excited about. Good stuff, John. What about the receiver and, in general, the class? Um, I know that when you don't have as many running backs going in the first round uh, and when it comes to uh, dynasty drafts, that means receivers are going to be filling up those spots. How many guys do you have in the first round and who's off the top of your board? I have first round grade on six wide receivers. I'm pretty confident that six will go in the first round. Now, the, the sixth receiver, there might be a difference of opinion. But my top six, Garrett Wilson is locked and loaded first round. He's my number one. 
I love Traylon Burks, but I'm a little higher on him. There's a lot of varying opinions out of the young man coming out of Arkansas. But I do think he'll be a late pick and watch him go to Kansas City or Green Bay. And then everyone will be talking about Burks at Arkansas. Drake London is my number three. Absolutely love him. I think he's going to the Jets. They need the position. And he's a perfect complement to Elijah Moore. I love Jamison Williams, but the ACL injury drops him to number four. I would not be surprised if he goes off the board number two, that a team would love him. I'm a little more lower on Chris Olave out of Ohio State than most, but I do have a first-round grade. He's number five. And the sixth player that I have at the wide receiver in the first-round grade, and I don't think enough people are talking about him, but Jahan Dotson out of Penn State, he is good. I mean, if he ended up in Kansas City or Green Bay, I think Jahan Dotson might be the under the most underrated receiver in this draft. He doesn't seem to be talked about a lot. Yeah, I mean, he definitely uh, is capable of making those big plays, right? I mean, oh. that's, that's, <laughs> that's what I look for. You know, uh, there's a lot of sleepers at receiver, too, and – we already sort of talked about his quarterback, Desmond Ritter, but what's your thoughts on Alex Pierce? Because here's a guy that I've been watching as many UC games as I actually did last year, which <laughs> I can't say that about a lot of these guys. I mean, he's got he's got the size I like. I mean, 6'3", I think he's like 2'10". I mean, definitely as an athlete, too. It's not just the size. I know uh, he, he turned some heads with that 40-yard dash there. Definitely did well on some of his jumping stuff at the combines too. So, like, I feel like this guy can come in and, and with all these players, it's about getting in the right system and the right opportunity. But man, I, I think he's a, a lurking sleeper at the position as well. Alex Pierce is fascinating because um, you six three and he's two eleven, so you miss just by one pound. Oh, I my really bad. My like bad, John. Him. Did you did you weigh him in today? Did you? Weigh no, him no, today? you'd be right. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I think, at the combine. I have the numbers. Okay. I just go off memory alone. So, um, no, that's great. Um, I like Pierce, but when you plug him into the model from a production standpoint, he doesn't really pop. Now, I do like the 17 and a half yards per reception. That is amazing. And I watched way too much Cincinnati football because I love the story. They were undefeated, and I like I was scouting Desmond Ritter. So obviously Alex Pierce jumped across the screen once in a while. Yeah. I have him at number um, 16. I'm not as high on, on him as my teammate at the rook, rookie. Yeah, big but that still, make, that, still make, that still makes him, what, a late third, maybe fourth yes. round pick? I mean, that, yeah, I mean, I have me, a third that's, round that's a great spot for a team to take a, to take a stab with a guy like that. That's, and that, you know, it's funny because like a team like Green Bay in the third round, Alex Pierce might be on the board. Like there's value here at the wide receiver position. And if he landed with a top shelf quarterback, that would be an amazing situation for the young man. Interestingly enough, he was talked about uh, locally as maybe a potential Bengals draft pick, but Ooh. more so they were talking about his uh, special teams ability because, let's face it, the Bengals are loaded at receiver. Not really. No. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not, they are top three, them. but they, the Bengals, I, I definitely think they could be a team in the surprising mix there with the receiver maybe as early as round three. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't I mean, hate it. I mean, they lost Auden Tate. Uh, he left, obviously, to Atlanta. Uh, there's really nobody after the big three on the depth chart at this point that they've re-signed, so. It wouldn't be shocking. 
John, what do you yeah. say we wrap this thing up with tight ends? Because last year we had Kyle Pitts, and you, you can say people were disappointed because he didn't find the end zone, and I get all of that, but he was still very good. Not a Kyle Pitts in this class, I don't think, but what do we have to offer? We have value in the second round of a dynasty draft. I do like Trey McBride out of Colorado State. He's my number one ranked tight end. I think he has tremendous dynasty value because he's a, a full-time. He can block. He can pass catch. His numbers at Colorado State are incredible. I think he can step on the field right away. Talk about a second-round pick for Cincinnati. Trey McBride would look pretty nice in a Bengals uniform. And then my number two, I don't know, Greg Dulcich out of UCLA. Whoa, what an athlete. He kind of pulled the Alex Pierce where when you saw him and the numbers and the size, you're, he really piqued my interest. I went back and watched more film. So Dulcich is the number two tight end, and I love him in Dynasty also. But the wild card in the whole draft, Virginia's Jelani Woods, 6'7", 253. He is just a all-man big play waiting to happen. However, he was inconsistent at Oklahoma State and Virginia. He only had 75 career reception for 12.8 yards per reception. The athletic ability and the size are off the charts. If he goes in the third round, that tells me the NFL loves him, and I could see moving him up into a second-round dynasty um, pick if you were desperate at the position, I would think a third round grade on Jelani Woods is perfect right now in Dynasty. Yes, always fun to track those rookie tight ends, indeed. Uh, John, always good to get through a lot of the positions. There's so many more player profiles you've got out there. We're going to talk more about that as we uh, wrap up the show. But before we get to that, I do kind of get some insight because. I have never really bet on the NFL draft before. And <laughs> obviously, a lot of sports books, you know, I'm looking at some of the vandals and some of the other props out there. Like, I probably won't. I probably won't bet on the draft. But others out there listening might. If they're thinking about it, do you have anything that you've looked at or even just any advice on how to approach these various NFL draft props? I, I got to admit, the ones that intrigue me the most are some of these team selection ones I've seen because it's easy for me to wrap my head around like team needs. So I, I've identified a handful of those that I like some of the odds on that uh, I'll be willing to throw out. But I wanted to get your take on with sports betting being legal now in so many places, the ever growing market that is NFL draft props. In general, when I've done my mock drafts and I record my success, I find the the best props are in the as far as player, like you just player with team. I think the top 10 is the best area to have some fun with projections. Once you get into that, you know, the pick 12, 14, trades happen. Um, play, there's, there's surprise draft picks like the Raiders taking cornerbacks in the first round, you know, taking Henry Ruggs over a bunch yeah. of wide receivers. So it gets very hard to predict after, like, well, pick number 10. I so understand. I like but when you throw in draft odds, when you throw in the draft odds, is like, that's when it gets interesting, right? Because it's oh, like yes. you can see things go in a certain scenario. But if you look at the odds, like here's a, for instance, from FanDuel right now. Uh, I'm just looking at some of the draft positions and, 
Uh, Bengals, offensive line. First, uh, first drafted player by the Bengals, offensive lines plus 170. Ooh. And, uh, I know, like that. I mean, that's good value, right? The, it's, yes. I know they need line. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I mean, I think a team needs right now, I'm thinking secondary is their biggest needs. I know it's a deep position. Cornerback on Fandle, plus 250. That's intriguing Ooh. to me. So oh. I don't know. I haven't looked at them too much, but I started to look at them over the weekend. I was like, man, these are, I might make a few of these bets. It might be worth a, a drive over to, across the border to Indiana since I can't do it here in Kentucky on lunch one day here uh, in the next couple of days. But you know, I don't know. I was looking for some tips, man, uh, some advice, but uh, you know, let me hear what you got. I love that, Dan. I did not realize that they're giving, I haven't seen that. So it's my fault. I should look into that. Cause like I would like Pittsburgh to draft a quarterback. I Pittsburgh would have, to draft a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, when I saw it was like plus plus one seventy on the first <laughs> draft at play. Oh, that's a, one um I like that so yeah I like that idea and then I also do like doing like do you have how many wide receivers I think there'll be six uh, is I, the line- I, haven't, I haven't I mean that's a great when you say I'm that. looking at it right now the okay. number is six and a half at least at the sports book the local sports book in Indiana so it is six and a half minus 121 over uh, minus 108. And, and for the record, you're referencing they, that sports book uses DraftKings Sportsbook. So I imagine, okay. I imagine that would be the same uh, for all that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's I, all different types of specials. Obviously, on players, you can go Malik Willis. You can pick a team, and there's odds. So like Pittsburgh Steelers, plus 225 is the favorite. Seattle Seahawks, plus 500. The Lions, plus 500. The Texans, plus 1,500. I mean, that gets a little harder there. You yes. know, players draft positions. There's values on that over and under. So it's really me and James, we like finding values. And that's why I was sort of intrigued by the, the first draft position a team does with that first draft pick. I like uh, those numbers though. That's very, I like that, Dan. That's yeah, a so nice return. I'll let you know how it goes, John. But, uh, <laughs> I think that wraps up our time with you today, my friend, but I know you've got so much more knowledge on this stuff. One more time. Let's tell folks where to get it. Thanks for having me on, gentlemen. If you want to see my written profiles, they're all up on footballdiehards.com. And if you want to see the video breakdowns, go to YouTube and type on type in Rookie Big Board. My teammate Max Hicks and I have 40 player profiles for you to check out. And James, you and I obviously will be back sometime next week after the dust settles with our first takes on this from a fantasy perspective. Uh Any final thoughts you have as we wrap up this preview of the draft uh, as we head into this weekend? Curse you for letting me know that I could bet on the over on (laughs) quarterbacks, running backs going in the first round. Now with the Bengals picking 31st, and I wasn't even invested. Now I'm like, you know what? I really like cornerback, which was like, you know what times that well for, James? You can make your golf bets and your draft bets all on Wednesday. Yes, well, I'll be going. Don't worry. It's already coming. Yes, yes. I might be sending some. So that's my final thought. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for making me a degenerate. Well, that's the purpose of the show here. (laughs) That's true. Play along all season with us. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, wherever you listen, Apple Podcasts, I should say. And, of course, uh, we'll follow us on Twitter at JamesAdams94, at Dan Claskins, at GridSkull91. I am Dan Claskins. He's James Adams. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.